Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, everyone. This is Dev Raga, Personal Finance, and welcome to my podcast channel. In this episode, um, I've had a fair bit of questions about whether to invest in index funds versus ETFs, so I thought it'd be worthwhile discussing the differences and the similarities between the two. Um, and also, I've got a few hours to kill before I catch my flight back to Melbourne. Uh, I've had a great time in Hong Kong, had a conference, um, had a week off, um, did some sightseeing and bought some things, but I'm really looking forward to getting back to Melbourne. I kind of miss the uh, cold weather at the moment in Melbourne, So, um, but uh, obviously Hong Kong is a great place to visit if you haven't already. It's also very, very safe and very, very uh, good for kids. There's a few theme parks around as well, so if you're interested, there's always good deals out there. I always book my flights via Expedia, uh, but you, know, you might have better ways of doing it. But get back onto topic. Today's topic is index funds versus ETFs. Um, as everyone knows that have been listening to this channel, and if you're new to this, the motto of the financial podcast channel is empowering you with enough knowledge and introducing you to concepts of finances so that you can make better decisions for your own personal finance um, at home. And the whole point of this, the premise of my um, channel is the pay yourself first concept. Basically, when you get your salary and get your earnings fortnightly, monthly, whatever it may be, take away 20% of the after-tax income that you receive or up to 20% and put it aside. If you can't do the 20%, do 5% first or do 10% first. It doesn't matter. Put it aside and start investing. The earlier you start, the more advantages you will get and the greater wealth that you can potentially create over the long term. When I talk about long term, I'm really talking about at least 20, 30, 40 years. I'm not talking about five or 10 years. Yes, Technically, that's considered long-term in investing, but I'm talking about the really long-term. I want you to retire with plenty of money, with more money that you ever would ever need or use because money is just a tool. It just gives you options. It doesn't buy happiness. It doesn't buy joy in life, but it gives you options. So getting back to this episode, what is an index fund and what is an ETF? Now, Index funds and ETFs are similar in some ways, but are very different in other ways. The first index fund was created by a guy called John Bogle um, in the 1970s by Vanguard Group. Uh, unfortunately, John passed away a couple of uh, couple of months ago, actually in January. He was considered the father of index investing. He was really the ultimate professor when it comes to investing, and he really believed in long-term investing. ETF has only been around for the last sort of 20, 20 to 30 years. The first ETF was created in Canada back in the 1990s. So the basic point of both strategies, though, is investing in an underlying benchmark index. That is the premise, the concept of indexing. The premise is that over the long run, indexing will beat most other actively managed portfolios and mutual funds. This is why I index invest. I don't try and beat the market because I know I'm not a Warren Buffett. 
I'm not a Ray Dalio, and the probability of me doing so and beating the market is very, very low. Not only is it beating the market, it's beating the market consistently year on, year out. In fact, the chances of me doing that is close to zero. It's a chance that I'm not willing to take. Indexing, though, is a form of passive investing. I've discussed this in my previous podcast, the concept of active versus passive investing. So it's worthwhile going back and listening to that podcast if you're so interested. And the aim is to match the market returns rather than obsessing over beating it. It turns out over the long run, the market returns are actually quite spectacular. If you have a look at the Australian market, the ASX has returned over 10% over the last 100 years. In fact, over the last 100 or 120 years of the stock market existence in Australia, over 90 years, it's returned a positive return. Only 22 years, it's returned a negative return. So if you're a betting man, and I'm not a betting man, but if you were, if you put the money into the Australian stock market, the chances of you making money is significantly higher than losing money. Now, overall, index funds and ETFs are considered more efficient forms of investments. So why is that? Well, if you match the market and you accept the market returns, then basically what you're doing is you don't need any expensive fund managers to manage the money. The indexes have a set of rules and they follow the rule and the ETFs have a set of rules and they follow the rule. And the main rule being just follow the market. Now, without expensive fund managers, your overall cost of investing is very low. Management fees for ETFs or index funds are in the range of 0.1 to 0.2%. In Australia, beta shares, for example, it's actually only 0.05% of the overall total value of your portfolio. Anything above 0.2%, guys, is considered expensive in index and ETF investing, and certainly anything above a percentage point is crazy expensive. So it's really important if you're investing, have a look at what's called the expense ratio, what are the management fees for your overall market value. Now, when I've talked about compounded returns over time, it also applies to fees, right? So I've discussed this in detail in my previous podcast, and I go into it on how fees can erode your retirement nest egg over the long term, potentially costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if your expense ratio is 0.2% versus 1%, The person that's paying 1% for their management costs is paying five times the amount that you're paying. That doesn't mean that they're getting better returns. It might actually mean they're getting poorer returns over the long term because most of the returns is being eaten up by the 0.8 percentage point extra fees that they're paying. So it's not like when you buy a car, when you pay more money, generally you get a better result and a better product and better safety, in investing, it can actually be the opposite. You can actually be paying more money for a more inferior product. So what are the similarities um, between ETFs and indexes? Uh, Index investing, sorry. Both are forms of index investing. Follow the market strategy, and there is little thinking involved just the way I like it when it comes to investing. I don't want to open the market in the morning and have a look at the news, have a look at the ASX, have a look at the S&P 500. I don't care because that's all just noise. I just put money in regularly every fortnight, uh, like clockwork when I get paid, and basically 20% of my income goes straight into the investment portfolio. It's money that I don't see, it's money that I don't use, it's money that I can't use, and therefore over the long term, I reinvest dividends, of course, 
I expect that my portfolio just keeps growing and growing and growing. I've got 10 years of data on this um, and where I am today to where I was 10 years ago, it's an extremely, uh, I'm in an extremely better position today than where I was 10 years ago. If I really wanted to, I can go on first class flights pretty much every year for the rest of my life if I stopped investing now. So that's the advantage of long-term investing and not really thinking about where the market is. Both have relatively low expense ratios, averaging between 0.1 and 0.2%, and both have diversification as a core strategy to reduce risk over the long term. The ASX 200 index has 200 stocks based on Australia's largest companies. It's very unlikely the whole 200 stocks crash all at once forever. In fact, it just doesn't happen. So what are the differences? Well, the differences that are, uh, are that the ETFs are funds that track specific indices, but they can be traded like stocks. So your ETF might have a price which fluctuates throughout the day, just like any stock, uh, stock in the Australian stock market. Rather than buy 100 plus stocks of individual stocks, you buy one ETF that tracks the 100 plus stocks, might be an index, and that's it. Index funds, on the other hand, only price them at the end of trading. So you can't trade them like a stock. You can't trade it multiple times during the day. The investing structure is like a mutual fund and not like a stock. So ETFs trade multiple times during the day, no problems. Index funds, you can only trade at the end of the day when it gets priced. And often, in fact, you can't trade it multiple times during the day. ETFs have low management fees, usually half that of index funds but you need to trade them. Therefore, you need to pay for brokerage. You need to have some sort of broker that enables you to buy the ETFs. It's really important to factor brokerage into account when thinking of buying ETFs. It might work out cheaper or it might work out more expensive. ETFs are ideal for those that want to contribute less frequently and larger sums of money. With index funds, there is no brokerage, so it's ideal for those that want to regularly contribute and contribute smaller amounts of money. ETFs often don't have a minimum investment. Index funds usually do. Now, if you don't have much cash to invest, you might want to accumulate the minimum investment amount and then invest in the index funds, or you might go along the ETF. But remember, if you're investing small amounts of money, you're actually paying for brokerage. And if you're paying a significant percentage of your investment funds into brokerage, then overall, your cost of investing might end up being more significant in the ETF route than it is in the index route. The price fluctuations of an ETF depends on the demand for that ETF. This is very similar to a stock. So if you've got a very hot stock, then the price fluctuations for that stock is significant. The price may significantly increase depending on the demand. The pricing for the index fund, however, depends on something called the NAV, that is the net asset value. Now, I won't go into this because it gets a bit geeky and the whole point of this podcast is not to be geeky, um, but essentially it's worthwhile for you Googling this concept of NAV, which is the net asset value. And index funds, of course, are only priced once a day, usually at the end of the trading day, whereas ETFs are priced multiple times during the day, so you can actually trade it like a stock. <coughs> Beg your pardon. So therefore, ETFs give you more flexibility and give you more liquidity. For example, you can trade the ETF multiple times during the day and then liquidate it as well, and you get your money back relatively quickly. With index funds, you can't day trade. You can't trade it multiple times. 
And selling it off takes some time. So usually within a week, you get your money back. So it's less liquid than ETFs. And lastly, ETFs are generally preferred by institutional investors. That's why it was created only 29 years ago. Whilst index funds are usually preferred by retail investors, people like you and I, these are consumers in the Australian market that want to get in on the action. So ETFs are generally preferred by institutional investors, whilst index funds are usually preferred by retail investors. So the holy grail question, which is better? This is not the right question in my view, because this question I get asked a lot. Um, the correct question in my view is, which is better for your circumstance? I'm not a financial advisor, but I've done some calculations and it might sway your mind about what's better for you and how to do your own calculations. And I think it's really important. So here's an example. Supposing I invest around $8,000 per month. Now that's a lot of money, but I've specifically made it that amount of money because it gives you a bit of an idea why index funds or ETFs may not be be all end all. There is no brokerage um, <coughs> with, um, with index funds. And let's say the management fee for the wholesale index fund is 0.18% of the total holdings. In fact, that is the wholesale management fund for the Vanguard wholesale index for the ASX 300. Meanwhile, ETFs have a lower management fee, beta shares is 0.05%, but they have a brokerage on average of about $15 per trade. Now, if you go to Comsec, it's around 19 bucks a trade, um, but if it's more than $1,000, I think it's 29 bucks a trade, which is significantly ex expensive. Um, whereas if you go to Self Wealth, all trades are just $9.95. In fact, that's the Australian uh, version of the cheapest brokerage company that I've come across. And I think they're relatively reliable. Everything's done online. But let's put an average brokerage fee in Australia of about $15 per trade. So here are my calculations for the portfolio that's worth $100,000, supposing no growth or no loss in the value over a period of one year. So if I'm using a wholesale fund, after one year, the $100,000 will become $100,000 plus $96,000, which is you know $8,000 a month that I'm investing. So the total value of my portfolio, provided there's no growth or loss, is $196,000. The management for that, based on an expense ratio of 0.18%, is around $352.80. That's it. Now, here's what happens if I use the same amount of money and invest it into ETFs after one year. Assuming the brokerage cost is roughly around $15 per trade, which is the average, and assuming the management fee is only 0.05% which in my view is the cheapest that I've come across in Australia. So the 100,000 then becomes $196,000 provided there is no loss or gain. The management fee is only $98, but the brokerage fees because I'm investing 8K per month um, is around $360 because I invest, you know, let's say 4,000 per fortnight. So the total cost becomes $360 plus $98 and therefore becomes $458. So, to recap, the wholesale fund management fee was $352. The ETF management fee ends up being $458. That's including brokerage. Notice how in this example, ETFs cost more. Not by much, but they do cost more in principle than index funds. But if I went the ETF route and I only invested once a year of 96 k then it'll just be 98 bucks in management fees plus $15 in trading fees, assuming the trading fees are still $15 for that huge amount of money, 
So therefore, the total cost becomes $113 compared to $352 had I gone the wholesale index route. In this example, the ETFs is much, much cheaper. So it all depends on how you invest, what frequently, uh, how frequently you invest, and what your personal circumstances are. You know my motto, right? I'm a long-term investor. I don't sell any stocks. I don't sell any funds that I ever buy. In fact, I haven't sold a single asset since I started investing 10 years ago. That includes all my property, that including all my shares, everything my super, etc. So if I'm not going to trade assets multiple times, if I'm not going to sell and my strategy is overwhelmingly to buy and I keep buying them in the long term, it makes little sense for me to own any ETFs because ETFs are designed for institutional investors that wanting to trade them on the stock exchange on a regular basis. I don't trade stocks. I just buy stocks. I don't sell anything. I invest fortnightly usually, and sometimes even weekly if I have extra cash. So given the issue with brokerage, I have a calculator, it's better for me to be an index investor rather than an ETF investor. I've done my calculations, I've done my sums. So therefore, if I took into account brokerage and management fees for my own personal circumstance and the expense ratios, for me to be an index investor is far more lucrative than for me to be an ETF investor. But your circumstances might vary, so it's worthwhile considering it. But the crux of the matter is this, both types of investing allows you diversification, which is the holy grail of investing. If you can buy your eggs and put them into multiple baskets, the chances of breaking the eggs, especially all of them in those multiple baskets, is extremely low. That is the advantage of diversification. So this is a relatively short podcast on ETFs and index funds only 17 minutes, Um, and I've had some questions about it recently, so I thought I might make a podcast about it. Hopefully, you found it very useful. Um, Hopefully, this clarifies any questions that you may have, and it's really important for your personal circumstance. Make sure you do the sums. Now, there are some great YouTube clips uh, on ETFs versus index funds. Uh, If you're further interested, um, just basically YouTube the concept. But um, hopefully this provides a basic, basic understanding of the differences and similarities between the two. Now, this is Dev Raga Personal Finance episode uh, number 33, I think, regarding um, ETFs and index funds. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Thank you very much for all those that have asked questions via Facebook, SMS, and email. If you've SMS me, I haven't been able to get back to you because I don't really have uh, coverage here in Hong Kong. But when I get back to you, hopefully I'll get the SMS and I'll be able to answer your question. But if you have any questions, keep them coming through. You can also comment on the CastBox channel that I have. You can actually go to my website, devraga.com, which has all the episodes lined up. And until next time, make sure you do your sums on index investing and ETFs. Make sure you understand it and try and save that 20% after-tax income and put it away. It's money that you cannot and will not use. Put it away into an investment fund for the long run. Until next time, this is Dev Raga Personal Finance Channel, and thank you for listening, and always stay safe. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 